What's going on? My name's Tori Kravitz, joined by my co-host Alicia Toot. Welcome back to She's with the Band. How's it going, Alicia? I'm doing really well, Tor. How are you? I am thriving. I'm really stoked to have a different kind of guest on today and always good to be chatting with you. So what's new in your world? A lot, man. I had a really crazy realization recently. I went to my first theme park in years, quite literally, like I think four or five years when I was on that whole LA trip. And I realized how much I'm just getting older. Like the nausea hit me the first ride. The first time we did a little loop-de-loop, I was like, oh shit, like, okay, my back hurts. What's going on? And I was not expecting that at all. And then the people I was at the theme park with, I looked over and I go, am I the only one feeling this way? Are we all in the same boat? We're like, no, we feel really messed up right now. So I'm, I'm just grateful that I wasn't the only one because I'm doing a theme park in two days again. Um, and I'm, I'm a little worried, you know, that I might not be able to keep up anymore. So that, that was a little realization is something I'm, I'm dealing with at the moment. But otherwise, things are great in my camp. Just getting old. It's okay, man. They're, they're roller yeah. coasters that are built for you. You just got to go on the little like kid ones, you know, the ones the that don't part. go upside down. I love the thrill and I love the wood ones that like bang you around all over the place. Like I, I adore, I adore them. It's just now I'm not up to par with how I used to be an animal at these things. So it's, it's a big difference. It's a contrast. <laughs> Dude, I feel you. I was a big roller coaster junkie. I still got it in me for sure. But I guess that comes with like the fact that we like the rush of heavy music and going to shows and roller coasters, adrenaline. Totally. <laughs> That's it. Bring it all to us, please. And thank yes. you. What's, what's new with you? Um, well, last week I went to a few really cool shows. Um, I went and saw a band from Denmark called Mole, which are amazing. Um, they're like black metal shoegaze, which is my specialty. Um, (laughs) but they were really, really great. Like it was a smaller venue, like a little club venue. Um, but the singer just really commanded the room. Um, and they sounded phenomenal. So M O L is how it's spelled. Um, and then I also literally the next night went and saw Harriet who are phenomenal, big fans. Um, and I, my partner and I looked at each other midway through the show and we were like, how can a band sound this heavy? And it was just boggled my oh, mind. Yeah. So back to back, really good shows this week. And it's been nice to just get back into some cozy venues and listen to some heavy music. And it was so funny. It. Because the reason I found out that you were actually seeing Harriet live is I went through my stories on Instagram, like, oh, when she's with the band post, because for those listening, Tori and I sometimes will do like double duty and share things on it, whether it's like a concert we're at or a song we're really loving, um, or just, you know, pr- promoing new inter- interviews and conversations. And so I look and I'm like, oh, shit, she's out having a really good time tonight. That's literally how I found out. And you texted me about <laughs> the concert the next morning. It was so funny. <laughs> yeah you know sometimes that's just how you find things first on social media but I like to make sure it's good news you know fun things right dude there was no bad surprises no I I, there's nothing I could have been hot over on that I was just thought to myself I love the fact she's promoing it before I find out the fact that she's having an incredible night this is great but talking about that just for a second I remember watching this episode of 90 Day Fiance which I know is something we we bring up once in a while on this show because it's ridiculous um but there was this segment where this woman was so mad at her family. She got pregnant. She announced it on social media. She did not tell a single soul, like not her sisters, not her parents, nothing. And they literally found out through social media and they were livid. So how would, how would you react to that situation? Because I would have like flames coming out of my ears, steam everywhere. Um, I feel like it would just be funny to just reply to the story with just like a nice, just like cool. Good going. You know what I mean? Just like a really passive aggressive, like, nice one 
Uh-huh. <laughs> but yeah, I think deep down I'd be like, man, I must not be that special. It's like not noticing that's it, until right? now. Yeah. I'd be so angry and frustrated and confused. Luckily that's never happened. And I know my sister and I are like this, so it wouldn't happen. But just thinking about that situation, right? Of course, not mad at you, but could you imagine it being <laughs> something severe and finding out on socials? Just a little tangent, but it, it, it's I wild. Was like, very funny that we went from surprise concert on social media to surprise pregnancy announcement on social media. Like, I see where your head was at to put those two <laughs> things into, like, a segue, but that is quite the stretch. <laughs> I mean, that's how my mind works. And if the listeners and viewers don't yep. know that by now, welcome to the first episode you've watched. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, my brain does work the same way, where sometimes it'd be like, speaking of uh heavy music did you see that skyline today and it's like yeah what are you talking about we get it that's all that's what, that's what matters we get it I do <laughs> um but yeah speaking of uh getting it I know that we both get how cool today's guest is amazing like transition that, my friend. that was great yeah it's cool because <laughs> we've had so many badass artists and people behind the scenes on the show and this is the first time we are going to be speaking with someone in this actual category as we are interviewing and speaking with the owner of a clothing brand today which is just so unique so different you and I love clothing and being able to kind of channel that and talk more about fashion is going to be awesome yeah it is very cool and I don't know why when I was doing a little bit of research for this interview, I started to have flashbacks to when I had a little stint doing merch in the music industry. Like I had a little moment where I was um, selling for Blackcraft clothing on Warp Mm -hmm. Tour. And so like, not that I know what it is to run a clothing line. That is a a beast, which we'll get into. But just it's so cool to me how fashion and music are so combined and like having been a little bit in that firsthand as well. And obviously you've worked with so many clothing brands, too. yeah, it's just all intertwined, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's going to be cool getting her perspective, her views on music, the stuff that she loves, because I know that a lot of, and I'm going to bring this up with her, but a lot of film and just musicians that she grew up watching on stage truly inspired this brand, the brand being the pretty cult. So it's, yeah, I can't wait. I could talk about clothing for ages. It's, it's horrible. And, and Ariel is going to be sending us some dope stuff too, which has me very excited. Yep. Yes. <laughs> And like on top of that, she's also collaborated with some of my all-time favorite artists. Y'all know how much I love Chelsea Wolf. I mentioned yeah. her like every other episode. So she has a collaboration with Chelsea Wolf, Lingua Ignata, who I think is incredible as well. Emma Ruth Rundle, another huge favorite of mine. Silverstein. Yeah, a, I was about to mention Silverstein. Yeah, I was going through the collab page and there's some huge, huge names on there. And it's truly only the beginning of the brand. So she's kicking ass. Let's bring her on, shall we? I just want to get, I want to get into all of it. Let's go. <laughs> Ariel, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Oh, we're doing so well. We were saying before we started rolling and brought you on, we are loving what you are doing, what the brand is all about. So thank you for taking the time. We cannot wait to just dive into it all. And most importantly, talk some fashion finally on the show. <laughs> yes. Yes. My two favorite things, music and fashion. So hell yeah. Hell yeah. I mean, I think what's so cool is, you know, we were talking a little bit about how this brand is intertwining witchcraft and the music industry. And of course, NotFest being both a music and lifestyle site, it's just like match made in heaven. Um, But I would love to hear a little bit more about what it was like for you working in the music industry before you got into this clothing brand. Because I found quite an interesting quote from you in another interview where you said um, that 
you weren't fulfilled working for the man, especially being a woman in a man's world. So welcome to She's with the Band. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so what was that reality like for you? And what did you take away from that experience where you were like, okay, here's what we're not going to do running a company. And here's how we're going to do it better. Absolutely. So yeah, I worked in, I actually went to school. I have a degree in music business. I actually didn't go to school for fashion at all. It was strictly just a hobby, fun thing to do on the side. Um, and I worked in, um, for a really big agency, uh, in touring and, um, I was there for about five years and I just, I got to the point where I just, I didn't love the corporate lifestyle and, um, I was doing pretty cool as started as a hobby, um, while I was having a full-time job. And I just realized that I wanted to be um, recognized a little bit more as an artist myself than a business person. I mean, I absolutely am a businesswoman, but I am first and foremost an artist and a designer. And um, I just saw a lot of things within the industry that while it has gotten better, um, there's just women are still not accurately represented a lot of the time I think um especially in it again it's gotten a lot better but um especially in the world of rock there's not a lot of women-owned brands companies things like that um and I wanted to I wanted to feel fill that void and fill that space because we are very important and we are here and we are attending rock shows and rock festivals and we deserve to have our space and be recognized and be represented just as anyone else does. So um, that was something besides loving music. Um, I just really was like, this is something that's lacking and I, I, I wanna fill that. What I think is really cool for us to see is not only are you filling that void that's missing from that female and femme aspect, but also just in terms of everything gothic and witchy. So when creating your own clothing brand, did you kind of have this excellent dark vision from the very beginning or did you originally workshop a different couple of concepts and then it led to this one? So uh, Pretty Cult actually started as like a vintage upcycle brand um, way, way back. Um, I, but it was all inspired, um, when I was in college by seeing musicians like Taylor Momsen and like loving everything she's wearing and being like, I want to wear that. Um, but can I make, you know, being a broke college student, can I, can I make something myself that looks like that or represents that? And that's how it started. And then it started to evolve. I got, uh, more into witchcraft and it became a practicing witch, um, with a heavy, heavy, um, inspiration from tarot. And from there, it just kind of grew, um, as my own personal journey as a person. And I, which is kind of cool is tied with that brand that, that evolving and, um, and yeah, I just, uh, it started to get darker and darker and I felt more comfortable myself. And also I feel like that really came out in the brand. And I'm like, this is, hundred percent authentic and a hundred percent me. Um, I have a, a really big thing. I always say is every single thing represented in my brand is authentic. And especially with working with witchcraft, if it's a deity tarot, anything it's 
something I personally work with or have worked with. I will never create something that I don't personally believe in um, that doesn't align with my values under witchcraft um, and that I don't have personal knowledge of. That's really, really important to me. So if anyone comes up to us and wants to talk tarot or witchcraft, that I can totally have a conversation with them. I, you know what, that's something that I was really thinking about going into this interview, because I think about the the aesthetics in rock and roll and how much like, you know, Satan, witch, this and that it's become just like a bit of a gimmick for a lot yeah. of clothing brands where there isn't that genuine, like knowledge and respect towards the fact that it is more than just a fashion statement. Um, mm -hmm. And something else, I think you may be the first practicing witch I've ever met. So I'd love to hear even yeah. what that entails in your daily life. And, and how do you stumble what that into is the clothing brand? All of it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, yeah, I'm a practicing witch. Um, so I, you know, witchcraft, it looks different for everybody. Um, for me personally, it's just things I integrate into my life. Um, tarot is obviously my, uh, tarot and candle magic are my heavy forms that I kind of practice more in. Um, I love tarot for obviously it's divination. Um, but I like to use it as a tool to, uh, help me through life or my business, or maybe there's something I'm struggling with personally or in my business. And, um, I just want a little bit of insight. And what I love about tarot is sometimes, um, it's going to tell you things that you already know half the time, but you're refusing to acknowledge, mm -hmm. or it is going to, um, at least for me, it gives me a new way to think about something, uh, maybe going at a problem a different way than I was originally being like, how am I going to deal with this? Or, you know, and then it'll just give me some insight and I have that aha moment. And then I can kind of go from there. Um, so that's kind of my thing with tarot. Um, and then as far as witchcraft, I'm, uh, my assistant and other girls that work for me always laugh. Cause I always have some weird woo woo thing going on. They'll come in and see spells or we have crystals all over the office. Um, I always blow cinnamon in the door the first of the month to help with abundance. Um, I have, you know, my green candles. I have my orange candles in my office for creativity when I'm working on new designs. Um, so it's really for me just, things I put in my everyday life. There is no wrong. There is no right. There is no, um, you're not doing it enough. You're not a good enough witch. And that's one of the beauties of it is I feel like it's so perfect for anyone. Um, and, you know, crystals and cinnamon and things, these are things to enhance um, things you are already working towards. I'm huge, huge, huge on manifestation. Um, and manifesting the life that you want. And I look at witchcraft um, as a as a tool or the, the little bit of spice on top um, to help you get the things that you want, but really you have the energy and the power to create the life that you want for yourself. And you just have to believe in it and you have to not stop. One of the that things I- so awesome. Oh, it's crazy yeah. cool because for me, it's mainly just the tarot. And I had heard of the cinnamon thing as well and started doing that maybe in February on, on the first. So it's very cool you brought that up because I feel like not many people are aware of it. I came across it in some like deep dive. 
But for me, you had mentioned spells there, and I would love to just get into that a little bit more, because of course, when we think of that aspect, we imagine like a little seance going on and people conjuring things, but for you doing that in everyday life, how, how does that come into play? And what, what do those look like? If you could just explain that to us, because it's fascinating. Yeah, so I like to do more with candle magic. So certain um, colors of candles, are associated with certain things. So I brought up orange, right? Um, so orange is all about creativity. So uh, maybe like, for example, I am working on completing an entire tarot deck um, and it's quite the undertaking. Um, but when I'm really sitting down and honing that out, I like to maybe dress an orange candle. Uh, maybe I'll put some um, carnelian, which is also the orange stone in there. And um, again, I like to use the power of manifestation through a lot of my spells and my work. And I will literally speak out verb like to the room, to the universe, what I want over that candle. I like to repeat it three times, the power of three. Um, and I'm very direct with the universe with what I want. Um, and then I light the candle and I, you, I completely let it burn out. It'll burn for days. Um, and then, you know, while, while I'm working, I've also done, um, spells again, I just want to preface this. It's different for everybody. Um, but I do have an altar and I kind of change that over to kind of whatever I, um, am focusing on. And, uh, I have done things more like writing to the universe, what I want in very explicit detail, and then uh, maybe dressing my altar for that and including crystals and things to help amplify that. And then maybe burning that paper uh, to the universe and just letting her know, you know, that power of manifestation, that this is what I want and this is what I deserve. And it's going to be hard work to get there, but let's do it. You know, you know, what's beautiful about that as well is it's so much more approachable and not so I don't know I think there's such a stigma around witchcraft right and in the meantime we've done so many episodes where manifestation has come up and the law of attraction and you know working with the universe to the things that you want this is something that all of us maybe in some way do or think about and um you know with that in mind it's like witchcraft and rock and roll are two things that have quite a taboo around them or are misunderstood and to combine both of those things why do you think it works so well to put them in in one clothing brand and in one one space and one universe yes <laughs> yeah. one universe thank I you think, Alicia. <laughs> i think um you know aesthetically they go together also music can be a form of manifestation you know like i am not a musician myself but you know the power of words and writing and singing that into the universe and you know the artist or musician putting their whole energy into what they're saying or what they're performing. I mean, that's almost like a form of witchcraft. That's super powerful energy, especially when you're in a room, you know, full of people and you're sharing that with them. So I think in that kind of like, maybe a little more like way, like woo woo way. Um, so I think it goes together, but I also think at the end of the day, you know, witchcraft was, for the outcasts and obviously you know you don't have to be a woman to be a witch but you know uh marginalized people um 
And I think with rock and roll too, it's kind of, you know, it's a lot of, it's the weirdos, it's the alternative people, it's the people who, you know, um, are different. And I think that those communities kind of understand each other um, and kind of just go hand in hand, even if they realize it or not. Um, And yeah, I just, I think that we're all just different and, and yeah, we find like our sense of community with each other. I feel like I just got chills when you said that of how rock fans are outcasts and the same can be said for, for witches too. And I think that was, that was kind of proven as well in some of the collaborations that you've done with Chelsea Wolfe, Lingua Ignata, Emma Ruth Rundle. I feel like all of them have a similar energy in them and probably a lot of similar practices to you. So that parallel exists in so many different ways. Um, what were those collaborations like and how did you find, um, how were they influencing your work and vice versa to come up with something that was authentic to all of you? So, oh, wow, that, yeah, that, those collaborations were incredible. Um, I'm a huge Chelsea Wolf fan and uh, she, just her, her presence is so, I don't know if she identifies as a witch. I know that she does a lot of things within witchcraft, but I don't know if she's a witch, Um, but she is such a magical, powerful force and especially if you've seen her live like you can just feel it um and in that uh we did that I think right when she went before she went on tour with the American Darkness um and a lot of her stuff was tarot inspired um so it just it fit perfectly and to be honest um kind of a funny story about that collaboration it kind of happened on accident um I had her and um, Emma Ruth Rundle were playing, um, or I think Emma was, anyway, uh, Pasadena Daydream uh, a couple years ago. And I had just wanted to gift them um, some of my clothing. And I made the jackets that we ended up selling originally started as custom jackets that I made one of specifically for them. Oh. Um, and they were gifted to them at Pasadena Daydream and um, Chelsea's manager at the time happened to be present. And I guess it is said uh, that Chino from Deftones was there and absolutely loved the jacket. And apparently he stole Chelsea's jacket. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And so, yeah, I was like, wow, such an honor, such an honor. Um, That management really thought they were cool and reached out and was like, I would love for you to work with the the larger like uh, female artists that we have on our label and our management because um, they were all on Sergeant House at the time. And um, I was like, absolutely. And it just kind of went together really uh, flawlessly. Lingua Noda had um, her whole stuff with like death dealer coming out at the time. So we edited my death card to be more like death dealer. Um, and then Chelsea was the high priestess, which I just feel like is so fitting for her, for me, like as a human. And then, um, Emma, we did the moon with, and it was, yeah, it was such an honor to be a part of that collaboration and to work with three artists that I already loved and, and were inspired by and then the fact that they liked my tarot was 
awesome and Deftones. So, Hey, there you go. <laughs> uh, it's crazy because a lot of the time we're the ones that have to reach out or at the beginning, especially like you're scraping for things. And the fact that they loved this one individual jacket so much and you end up having all of these different skews and lines with these people that must've just been so affirming, especially at the time of when those were done. So very cool. Yes, absolutely. It was, it was one of those like, wow moments. And cause it was pretty early on and pretty cult. And I just was, it all just, again, the universe worked it out in a perfect way as it was meant to be. And I'm still so honored and happy that I got to do that collaboration. I guess that's the thing though, isn't it? When you're working so hard towards manifestation and doing everything with intention, that's how it works. It just rolls without any, um, resistance doesn't it just kind of happens how it's supposed to so that's really beautiful really cool yeah um that's so crazy and I know weren't you doing all of those jackets DIY yourself at the time too so that must have been a whole other ordeal in itself undertaking (laughs) I did I sewed over 400 jackets in my one bedroom apartment nothing but respect for you seriously (laughs) amazing but that's the thing too I feel a lot of people there's a misconception where they feel like okay we're manifesting it we just deserve it it's going to sit in our lap and just happen they don't realize that you really have to put the work in even if you're wishing for it you still have to do things you know it doesn't just magically appear as much as we would love it to that's a prime example of putting in the work getting what you want uh the universe chiming back in but not being a slacker which I admire so so much yeah Oh yeah. It was, uh, it was, it was a time we have photos from that. And I, I look at them periodically to remember, um, where it started and to always kind of remain humble in that. Um, but yeah, I mean, and that also is just kind of the ethos of pretty cool. I mean, everything is made pretty much in LA printed locally, um, it's really important to me that things are, are made here and kind of, you know, helping like in our community, um, as much, as much as possible, of course. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, even though I'm the owner, I'm like, I am still the one out there, like making things sometimes sewing 400 jackets. You know, that's actually something I really wanted to touch on with you because personally speaking, I am big on both animal rights and human rights and when it comes to all of those topics and how they intertwine that the clothing industry has to come up and I know for you 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 know this did start as a vintage upcycle brand but you do still use dead stock fabrics don't you right for a lot of your yes when we yes when we can we try and use dead stock um and yeah we're because nothing of ours is mass produced so we try and do as little waste as possible. Um, even when we do a production run, I ask for all the scraps back um, because we never know. A lot, a lot of times they just get thrown away and it's so wasteful. Um, and I ask for the scraps back and we, a lot of times we'll make other items. I can design or look through our catalog of things I have designed and see what we can make out of it. Um, so yeah, we try and be as eco-friendly as possible. Um, any of our apothecary items, like our perfumes, everything is made with, um, cruelty-free, organic, vegan, gluten-free. Like I'm very, um, anything I put out, I try and be as low impact as possible and mindful 
And yeah, because the fast fashion industry is really horrendous. Um, and I definitely do not want to be contributing to that as much as little impact as possible. No, I feel you there. And I, I know this could be a bit of an obvious question, but how do you think consumers can take a positive action? I, I mean, I guess first step would be to support a brand like the Pretty Cult, which is doing it right. Um, and why do you think it's so important for brands to be taking that action? Because it's sometimes more difficult or could be a little more costly, but you know, why is it important to do it anyway? Well, for in terms of customers, um, you know, I do want to be sensitive of the fact that I understand not everyone can afford um, fast fashion is obtainable for some people. And I understand that um, it's really important to me as an LA based brand I work very hard to make my prices, my items accessible to most people. Um, it is a lot more costly to get things made here, printed here and pay people fair wages. My whole team is paid fairly. Um, so taking that into consideration when pricing, but I also am very, very conscious of the fact that there are many people, including myself that yes, don't wanna support fast fashion, but brands that aren't fast fashion can be very expensive and that's not accessible to everyone. So I try and ride that middle to be accessible to as many people as possible. So doing your research and trying to find brands and companies that align with that. Um, obviously, you know, like thrifting, Depop, Poshmark, like all that kind of stuff is big. I've even seen like some of my own stuff on Poshmark, which is crazy. I'm like, whoa. That must have been a feeling. Like, <laughs> it's kind of cool. Like, I'm like, wow, I was loved by someone and now, and then it's going to go to someone else. And that's kind of crazy. Um, but doing things like that and, you know, I, we all want to do our part, you know, and doing as much as you can. And, um, but still my biggest thing is just remaining accessible to people while keeping that kind of ethos, you know, of the brand. Um, and yeah, I think um, as far as other brands, like being sustainable is more expensive and that's just the way it is. Um, and the good news is a lot of companies, go, sorry. Yeah. A lot of companies ahead. want the largest margin possible. And I understand business is business at the end of the day, but, um, it really, it really does affect the, the, the world we live in. I mean, global warming is a thing. So we really need to, all of us actively just try and do what we can and be conscious of that. And there are ways that you like getting dead stock, dead stock fabric is not insanely expensive. It takes more effort and work and you have to search through it. Like one of the stores in downtown has it, it's like four stories roof, like all the way to the roof of just fabric and you have to dig and it takes more work and more time, but it's absolutely possible. And hopefully more companies will take the time and the effort to do that. It seems like there are a lot of different learning curves that you've had to come across throughout the years, which of course with any business is bound to happen, but especially with the way that you want to keep everything so sustainable in this way. And of course, there are also going to be so many ups and downs when it comes to being a business owner. And you recently shared how you can really feel a shift within your business when it comes to growth, but also with growth comes a lot of uncomfortability. And just reading that 
um, coming from you is something I know that both Tor and I relate to because it's hard going out of your comfort zone and changing things. So I'd love to know what kind of lessons um, you were able to learn from this and just what's important to remember is that growth can be an amazing thing. So what have been some of those biggest growing pains and how do you feel like you've overcome them over time? Because clearly you've got there now. Yeah. So last year was a huge growing year for us. So we did, um, we heavily toured last year. We are touring again this year. Um, but it was our first time doing it to that magnitude. So, and it was also my first time really being a a boss for multiple people, which a lot of people don't talk about. And that can be a very interesting thing too, being, especially being a woman and, and being a leader, um, and being a boss. So that was a new, and being a fair boss, um, that was something new that I got to learn and work through last year. Um, and also just being on the road so much logistics, um, We had some extreme weather situations, um, very stressful, stressful weather situations um, where the safety of my team had to come first before my livelihood, Um, you know, just being gone from home that long. There was one point where I was gone for a month. I hadn't been home in a month and we're just driving to a new location. We were on sad summer tour and we were just every day was somewhere new. Um, and really just learning to manage, learning to manage stress, learning to manage that with touring, um, anything can happen and you just got to roll with it and you got to be ready as it comes and you got to try and stay calm. Um, and then also from the van, like running my business, like on my computer, trying to work and, you know, do different designs. Um, I did design, like, I think I remember in one day I did get like two tarot cards done and I was like, dang. Um, so just kind of getting in that mindset. Um, and yeah, and just being prepared on the business side for things of that magnitude, you know, funding festivals is, is no joke. (laughs) Um, so, and then also, yeah, you know, working on, artist collaborations and because we did a collab with Mothica last year um, and just doing all of that while constantly being on the move was and also remembering to take care of myself because I am a human and I need some self-care and if I'm not good my team's not going to be good you know so it's it's juggling a lot but I low-key thrive in the chaos so I kind of love it (laughs) why we're all intertwined in music is because we thrive on chaos yeah, if you didn't <laughs> thrive on chaos there's no way you'd be able to survive this business or it would be real grueling for you <laughs> absolutely I say with love. Yeah. um but you know I think that's what's so cool is like how involved you are in the music scene like it's more than just the artist collaborations you were on full-on tour mode at one point and you know you're still vending at major rock festivals you're addressing musicians from what I read and and putting on your own gigs Um, So how do you, why do you think that fashion ends up being such an important part of like a musician's identity and even just like a music fan's identity? Um, Because it's, it's something that I feel really passionate about, like as a music fan that I want to, I want people to see me down the street and be like, she likes rock music. You know what I mean? (laughs) I mean, okay. So, I mean, fashion and music are art at the end of the day. Right. And they, 
different forms of art and they complement each other. And from a musician standpoint, you know, um, a stage outfit is very important to their perform for many artists to their performance. And so for tales old of time, you know, music and fashion go hand in hand. Um, and then, yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. I, I also, I want to be walking down the street and they're like, that girl's hard, <laughs> you know, like I'm totally there with you. Um, but just, again, I also think like rock and roll is like a lifestyle, you know, it's like, it, as is witchcraft, like the alternative rock community is a lifestyle. It's a mindset. Um, and fashion just absolutely accents that and elevates that. And I also look at, um, fashion sometimes as like a, like, a it's like you're putting on, you know, your makeup or your clothing and it's, it's kind of like your, your shield, you know? Um, and I just think that it just so goes hand in hand. They're both incredible art forms that kind of need each other, you know, cause like so much fashion is inspired by music and so many artists need, want fashion or their stage presence, their stage show, their production is art as well within itself. And it's kind of like, we kind of need each other and we, we, um, inspire each other. You know, it's cool too, because Taylor Momsen really is such a perfect example of exactly what we're talking about here, which is why I thought it was so cool that you brought her up as somebody that early on inspired you to design clothes. What was it about her fashion sense? I'm just personally curious as another fan of hers. Like, was it the slip dresses or like the fishnets? What was it about the lingerie her, her being staples? mixed with something so hard? Yeah. Yes. The lingerie. I mean, gosh, right now, like I saw her like four times last year, which was awesome. And, um, I love the whole, like how she's doing the lingerie as, as stage pieces right now. Um, and I just, I loved uh, like early Pretty Reckless, like that first album when she was just wearing like the crazy hard black makeup and the huge like band tees that were like dresses and, and the fishnets and her crazy boots and kimonos. And then she went through a kimono phase which I loved because I sell a lot of kimonos. Like I love designing like kimono-esque type things. Um, so she went, she had like a moment of that and like, that was beautiful. And then, yeah, now I just feel like I'm loving the, her whole look right now. Like the lingerie, uh, stage pieces, like with chain, I'm like a huge chain person. So much pretty call has chain. Um, mm -hmm. so I'm just, yeah, she has always her looks, the way she curates herself and her style is just oh, so great. So did great. she, she never partially flops. never, um, did she partially go into influencing the name a little bit, making sure you had the pretty something in it? Or is that just, you know, I've always wondered if someone was going to ask me that funny <laughs> enough, it didn't okay. cult came from, um, Blue Oyster Cult actually is oh, where cool. that came interesting. From. I love that. Mm -hmm. We're not and the then I also today, <laughs> I wanted a word, an edgy word, of course, that kind of represented community, something to be a part of, a lifestyle, and um, Blue Oyster Cult, and then the pretty came from. I want people to feel pretty and powerful when they wear my clothes. 
And I remember sitting in a restaurant and trying to figure out the name. And it was like one of those restaurants that had like where you could like write on the table and crayon. And I was literally writing out like words. And then the pretty call came. And I don't even think in that moment, I really thought about the pretty reckless because I know blue oyster cold is where it came from. And then once I decided that was the name, I, I don't know, maybe it was subconscious. I was like, oh, wow, the pretty reckless, the pretty cool. Like it just kind of, it just, it just went, it just happened. Um, But it's funny. I've waited for someone to ask me that question. You're the first person (laughs) to ask me that. I tried finding it in other interviews and footage, but I never saw anyone ask it. So I was like, I hope there's an organic way to never want to think, oh, someone took this from this or that, but we're inspired by so many things. And I just have the juxtaposition in the name, having something so soft as pretty and cult, uh, which, you know, can be like a little darker. It's, It's a really cool thing to have. So glad I got to ask him and we got to got to the bottom of that there <laughs> yeah and in the non-cliche way of like so how did you come up with the name oh so I see that's the thing <laughs> we never want to ask that ever how do um, you come up with your band name <laughs> you know it <laughs> um but it was kind of cool to see too and we've discussed this of course is how the pretty cult was a way for you to replicate the clothing from those people on stage but also from the films you adored so just before we get into kind of um our more quick fire segment that we do on the show every single week. I'd love to know what were some of those movies, some of those characters that really inspired you early on? I feel like we've covered the music side, but not necessarily the film. And are those still films that you love to this day? Yeah, so I love um, anything, a period piece. I'm like a huge history person. Um, so I love anything, uh, period pieces, period pieces, um, even though it's vastly different than my brand, like Marie Antoinette with Kirsten Dunst and that soundtrack. Ooh, everything. And then of course, you know, there's the Crimson Peak. There's, um, I'm trying to think, of course, it's like everything. The other thing I watch a lot of is of course, like music documentaries or, uh, like I watch the Motley Cruz, the dirt, like I love all that kind of stuff. Can't get enough of it. But I watch, yeah, a lot. I love history. I read a lot. Um, so a lot of period pieces. I actually just designed a dress that's, it's not out yet. And it's, it's, she's, it's definitely like period piece oh, inspired. With so a like a BCA type top and then some black mesh or no, something. You don't spoil it, like, but I just. I'm. I saw, yeah, I'm really excited about it. Um, cool. Think like 1800s Van Helsing. <gasps> like, well, yeah. You have my attention. Like... <laughs> Very cool. That's so yeah, I just love fantasy. anything with, yeah, anything with fantasy, vampires, like all of that. Like I'm, I'm a sucker for all of it. I'm going to watch all of it. I'm going to read all of it. So that obviously goes into a lot of inspiration and designs as well. Awesome. I want to see this dress. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, we can't see the dress until we do our favorite segment, right, Alicia? Indeed, indeed. Let's move on to the jaw-dropping segments. This is kind of our quick-fire round. We're going to ask you four different questions about jaw-dropping moments throughout your career. So, Tor, would you like to kick it off? Sure thing. Well, the first one for you here is, what is the most jaw-dropping experience you've ever had at a gig? Oh, at a gig. Okay. Um, 
I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I can share some of them on this, to be honest, but we, we meet some, some really interesting people and uh, we get asked some really incredible questions um, about what we do. Um, but I'm going to circle it back to probably, like we said, um, even though I wasn't vending, I was in attendance when Chelsea got the jacket and Deftones was a fan and stole it. That was pretty like for me so we'll go with that one (laughs) next step the most jaw-dropping misstep early in your career and the lesson that you learned from it Ooh, um I'm gonna go not super early in the career but I'm gonna go with last year um signing up for a certain tour that I um wish I had done more homework on and I, I took a big risk um which you do in your in your business and um valuable, valuable lessons were learned. Um, do I regret it? No. Um, would I do it again? Hell no. Um, (laughs) but, um, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. I'm going to go with, uh, one of our touring experiences, um, last year that, uh, was one of the most insane things I've ever lived through. So, oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Dare I ask for just a little more deep, like not, not in terms of who it was or which festival, but just when did things kind of really start to go south? Um, I mentioned it a little before. Um, I, we lived through some of the most uh, like extreme weather situations and, um, just the amount of stress, like my, um, body actually started like completely shutting down and I started having like crazy health things. And I almost had to like go to the hospital, um, while there's a festival going on and my whole team is trying to work, um, (laughs) because we just weren't prepared. And that was something I learned never again, never again, Okay, but we survived. We made it through. Yeah. Sorry. I had to go through that. That sounds terrible. You know, it happens sometimes, you know, and, but it was a lesson. exactly, you got to roll up the punches and it was a lesson learned to take better care of myself. Right. All right. Well, the next one we have here is most jaw-dropping female artist that you would love to work with. I know we've already talked about a few, but who's next? <sighs> oh man. I have like a list. Um, of course, Taylor Momsen. Um, I would love to work with, I think, Lil Czar, um, a guest you guys had recently, Dorothy. Um, yeah. Love Dorothy. Absolutely love her music, love her style. Um, oh, who else? And then, of course, if I'm like really reaching, I would just like love to dress Stevie Nicks. <gasps> yes. Please, <laughs> girl, you want to come oh out? I have so many. <laughs> Yeah, that would be next level incredible for so many reasons. What an icon. Oh, yeah. Well, I think we know what you're manifesting next. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> well, for the last one, the most jaw-dropping misconception about yourself that you wish people understood. Oh, wow. That's a really good one. We're getting deep. <laughs> oh, um... Hmm. Well, I think, I think people look at me sometimes I've been told that I come off really intimidating and that I have a bit, I think it's that rock and roll, like hard exterior maybe, but I'm also like the sweetest, most loyal person ever. 
um, once you get to know me. And also I think that ties in with my brand too. I think that while I'm lucky, I'm happy with what I've accomplished and where we are, like at the end of the day, we are still a small business and, um, there is this misconception a bit with like brands and people just seeing like money and that's not true. You know, at the end of the day, I am an artist and as the owner, I design every single piece of art and piece of clothing that comes out of here. It's all still me. And, um, I'm not, you know, I'm not this big brand and this, and this boss that just sits at a desk. Like I'm, I'm out there with my team. I'm getting dirty. I'm sweating. I'm, I'm making sales too. Like I'm just as involved and I'm not on this, this pedestal by any means. Um, and I, I want to stay that way forever, no matter how big the brand gets. I want, I want to be accessible to my customers and my team and stuff like that. And I, yeah, I've been told I'm very intimidating, but I am a nice person. I promise. <laughs> we've, shown, we've shown them that today. Yeah. Don't, yeah. And I do, it's such a beautiful sentiment to end this episode on as well, because this is three women in this podcast right now who all have done it DIY. And that oh, yeah. makes me so proud and excited. And it makes me just so thrilled to see where the company goes and knowing that you are such a creative force. Possibilities are endless. And uh, you have Thank my you. support, no doubt about it. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, we just want to thank Ariel for taking the time for coming on. So Ariel, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. And of course, to everybody who's watching and viewing, hit up theprettycult.com to get your hands on their crazy cool merch, outfits, clothing, all of the above. Because you know, the moment that Tori and I get our packages, you're going to be seeing us wearing it a lot on She's With The Band. And speaking of, mm -hmm. don't forget to follow us on socials at Tori and Alicia. New episodes drop every single Monday with cool guests every single time on notfest.com and of course on behalf of my co-host Tori Kravitz I've been Alicia Toot and we will see you next week right here on She's With The Band. Bye everybody! <laughs>